Hello, and welcome to the Vevolution podcast. Since starting in late 2018, Vevolution has been creating inspiring events for the plant-powered generation. Each episode of this podcast will share with you stories and ideas told by plant-based thought leaders from the Vevolution stage. Meg and Comey Vora are fashion designers by leading vegan fashion brand Delicate Rain. In this talk, they discuss how they discovered that taking the safe career path isn't always the right path. This talk was recorded at Vivolution Festival 2018. Hi everyone, I'm Comey. And I'm Meg, and we are the sisters behind the brand Delicate Rain. So today, we wanted to start off by asking you guys a question. Can you remember who you were before the world told you who to be? If you had asked us this five years ago, we were headed down the road of conformity. We're first-generation East Indian women who were born and raised in Orange County, California. And we were coming from an Indian background, there are so many gender, cultural, and societal expectations in place. At the time, Meg and I had graduated college with business degrees, and we were working these nine-to-five jobs. But the next chapter in our life would have had to have been getting married, having children, and then setting up our retirement plans. So instead of checking the box one more time, we decided to check out. And today, we want to tell you exactly how we did that, how we got off this treadmill of conform life and instead embraced our uniqueness to find our purpose. So how did it all begin? Well, for as long as we can remember, Meg and I have always felt like complete outcasters. There are many incidences that have happened in our life that made us feel this way, but there are two things in particular that really made us stand out. The first one was that we were born and raised vegetarian, and we were the only Indians in our neighborhood and the only vegetarians in our school. And so that kind of, you know, we've actually never even tasted meat before, so that made us the target for many laughs. And this all stemmed from our father being raised Jain and our mother being raised Hindu. And for those of you who are not familiar with Jainism, Jainism is a lifestyle that focuses on the principle of ahimsa, which translates into no harm towards any animal or living being. And Hinduism also has a lot of ties into compassion. And so if you can picture it, we were just raised in this traditional Indian household with these common themes running through it. And, um, you know, the mantra really was that plants, animals, and humans are all one. Where it's one love, one entity, and our parents really encouraged us to respect that and make that a positive way of living. So despite the diet and cultural differences that we were experiencing, we still felt a complete other disconnect. And that all came from the fact that as we were growing older, we started realizing that our interests were really wavering away from our family and friends. So this was like a very uncomfortable juncture, you know, in our life at the time, because on one hand, we were really excited for everyone that had figured it out. Like, you know, they knew what they wanted to do. They were on the path, but we weren't. So we started questioning, why do we feel that way? Like, why are we not on the path? And we just started feeling guilty also because we didn't want to just exist in this suburban, you know, 
lifestyle that they we had all grown accustomed to. We wanted to push boundaries. We wanted to do something bigger. And I think that energy really, her and I joke about it now, but it's like we mm-hmm. manifested Los Angeles into our lives. And when we discovered LA, it was like, we had found our home. We found people that were on the same page as us, so many opportunities, and it was just such a contrast to what we had experienced growing up, and it was amazing. Yeah, so with all our frequent trips to LA, we met all kinds of people, but one of our first contacts we met out there actually introduced us to the world of styling. And from there, it led us on to being on all these music video sets. So styling, it's kind of funny because we had no idea what that meant or the fact that it was even a thing. Like you can be paid to put together outfits for people. That's a dream. You know, you get to play with clothes all day long. Um, And so as we, you know, got more well-versed into that, we realized that that was something that we had already been dabbling in. We had been creating these looks for our friends and our family when we were out Mm -hmm. on trips and when we were going to parties and whatnot. And it was also a time where we'd be on these sets and we love to express ourselves through our wardrobe. And so that meant we were just cutting, slashing, safety pinning, patching, whatever clothes we had at the time. And we just wanted to make a statement with them. And this made us really happy because this was the first time people were actually embracing and appreciating our unique style as opposed to everyone back home that couldn't understand why we were doing what we were doing and they would make fun of us for dressing the way that we did. So we were we felt a lot of joy from the appreciation that we received. And that joy was carried on with us when we graduated college. So it came to a point when we graduated college and we're working these nine to five jobs. And I think this is the time when we really started to internally talked to ourselves and I remember I was sitting at a desk at my work and I was asking myself, what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? Because I'm so unhappy with where I'm at right now that I don't know what to do. I don't know what drives me. I don't know what makes me happy. So I really had to keep asking myself these questions to figure out what I wanted to do. And no surprise, I was feeling the exact same way, but her and I didn't know that each other was feeling that way. And once we figured that out, we knew that it was time to take a step back, reset and recenter so we could just focus on a time that did make us happy. And we needed to think back to what that was. Like, when were we last happy and feeling encouraged and motivated and we realized that it was when we were working together when we were surrounded by fashion and when we were able to use our creative mindsets and those were the common denominators so the more we started talking we realized that we wanted to do something on our own we wanted to create a company together a hundred percent but at the same time in a perfect world it would be combined with fashion so the concept of having a clothing line came about But we didn't want to just be any clothing line out on the market. It had to have purpose. But what was this purpose? Like, how do we even find the purpose? We knew that we didn't want something superficial. We knew that it needed to be authentic and genuine because that's the best way something will be received. This was also around the time that we had really been 
focusing more on the concept of veganism. And that's when we made the transition from vegetarian to vegan. And we also then wanted to see where else we could kind of enter compassion into our lives. And we decided to start with our wardrobe. So as we set out on this journey to build a cruelty-free <laughs> closet, we realized that the type of things we were looking for in terms of style, aesthetics, and quality, those three married together didn't really exist. It was really slim pickings. <laughs> so we thought, you know what, wait a second, here's an opportunity to bridge that gap. You know, that's what our aha moment was. This is what Delicate Rain can offer the community. And we can also use it as a platform to educate consumers about other social issues, you know, sustainability and why compassion and fashion is important and ethical manufacturing and just all these other things that people don't really pay attention to or even know exist. And we really wanted to change the way luxury was perceived. So here we are and we have this grand idea, but what were we, how are we gonna go about doing it? And we had no idea. The thing is entrepreneurship is super, super hard and it's so overwhelming and there's so many times we felt completely discouraged and defeated and there were so many challenges that we faced and are still facing today. So, I mean, we've had so many challenges, as you can see, and a lot of these still exist today, and there's new ones that we don't even know of that I'm sure are going to come up. But, um, you know, there was a couple in particular that were massive challenges for us, but they were imperative to the growth of our company, starting with a product. So we have a fashion label, and we want to, you know, put products out there, but how do we go about doing that? We knew we needed to find manufacturing, but we had no contacts, no resources. We didn't know the terminology. We don't come from a fashion background. So our mentor ended up being Google. We would literally research everything that we could get our hands on and we found ourselves with a factory. Not really though, because we just kind of figured out where the hub of factories were in downtown Los Angeles and we arrived there and we just knocked on the first door they said no, and we just kept going down the line because we were determined to find one. As we found one, we went inside and we were all speaking. So everyone's speaking English, but we still couldn't understand one another because they were talking in such technical terms that it was completely lost on us. And then we just realized how green and naive we were. You know, funny story is the first time we went in to speak to him, he kept talking about patterns. And Comey and I kept looking at each other and we're like, why does he keep referring to the colors and designs on our shirt? Like, what does that have to do with anything? But he was talking about a technical pattern, mm -hmm. you know, the actual blueprint and template that you use to create garments. You know, everything that everyone's wearing today was made from a pattern. That's the first step. We had no idea. And so that's when we realized that we need to really do some more research. We need to familiarize ourselves with construction and stitches and how different textiles are going to form something. And as we did that, we got better and better at it. And that's when we were really able to bring our vision to life. And it took many trials and errors, but we made it. <laughs> So here we are and we finally have a product that we're so excited about to share with the world. But 
as you all know, if you, ha you can have a great product, but if nobody knows about it, what's the point? So the next challenge that we really faced was how are we going to get people to know about Delicate Rain? So we discovered that it was really hard to find an, an agency or team members or just somebody to help that really understood our vision. And not just the message that we wanted to get across, but the way that we wanted to be positioned and the way that we wanted to be received by the marketplace. And that's really important when you're starting out because that sets the tone and the aesthetic for the entire label and the company. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. They're just kind of dibbling and dabbling in the beginning. And that's where you really need to come hard with a push. And you know, every time you're spearheading a moment or you're a movement and you're doing something out of the norm, it's that much harder to find somebody that can execute that because you guys are all kind of going in blind together. And there were a few times when um, we thought that we should team up with like a PR agency or a marketing agency to help us off the ground. And there were a few companies that we actually gave a try, but unfortunately, once we were locked in contractually, we realized that they didn't have the same vision as we did for our brand, and they actually would steer us away from what we were thinking because they would tell us that what we thought, how we wanted to redefine luxury, and we wanted to be, you know, this vegan fashion label that they had no idea even, because they don't understand that, right? They, they are used to marketing other clothing lines in the industry with a, a traditional fashion houses. So for them, it was a very foreign concept. And so they didn't, it was really challenging on both sides, our side and their side, because we couldn't come to a happy medium. And so at this point, we just decided to take everything in house. And it's not until we did that, that we, you know, kind of started to see some momentum because, you know, at the end of the day, you have to remember that no one's going to know your product or your message better than you are. And even though you think that other people can help you, they can, but m maybe not in the way that you foresee it. So you really have to kind of scale back and take the reins at times to get the results that you want because you know what you want. Nobody's a mind reader. So as we continued to, you know, reach these milestones, we started getting like, you know, pieces and pieces of more and more substantial coverage. And it was really exciting because finally, not only was our product being put out there and being well received, but the bigger picture was that we really wanted to educate the consumers. We really wanted people to realize what goes into fashion and how they can make better purchasing decisions and how by what they're doing, they can also in turn help the planet. So we would, you know, hit these mini milestones and it led us to being able to really work with bigger entities. And that was exciting because when you're working with bigger numbers and larger companies, you're able to reach many more people. And that's the end all goal, right? We want as many people to know about these green movements as we can. So something that was really exciting is we did PETA India with some Bollywood stars. And that's really special to us because you know we're Indian. So we got to go back home. We got to travel to Mumbai to do that. And then we did one with Nylon Magazine for World Animal Day. And this one was especially important because we worked with a lot of talent that wasn't vegan. And that was kind of like a first for them as well. A lot of people kind of shy away from wanting to work with 
you know, vegan or cruelty-free because they feel if they're not embodying that lifestyle or that's not them, then they shouldn't be involved. And we're really trying to change that perception as well. We want people to know that you don't have to be that per se, but we're just giving you an option, an alternative. We want to teach you about it. And if you want to learn, great. If not, maybe you'll retain it and pass the information along. So this was really exciting because we you know, ended up being... Um, we've never been a made-for-vegans, by-vegans company, and so just getting the message out there. Um, looking at this, it's really surreal because this is something that happened last month. We were on the cover of Be Vegan magazine, and it just kind of came full circle because you realize that all these things that you had been told couldn't happen and people didn't believe in you and you were made fun of or... You know, just these things growing up that you didn't expect and you were just kind of the outcast actually resulted in this. <clears throat> so although we've been somewhat successful in getting our message out there, there's still a lot of work to be done. And we always are trying to think of like creative ways to constantly educate the masses and just potential consumers about the importance of cruelty-free fashion. So we've learned a ton of lessons along the way, but here are a few major lessons that we've learned. The first one being don't give up. You know, despite everything that we've been through and continue to go through because, you know, it's an open situation, you, you always have to expect the unexpected. Um, giving up was actually never an option for us. It's always the easy option, obviously, but who wants to be about that easy life, you know? Um, instead, we would always ask ourselves, what are we supposed to be learning from this? What's the universe trying to convey? And that's what you really have to focus on. And from that, we would work backwards and figure it out. And so giving up has never had a seat at our table. It's not invited to the party, and it should definitely not be invited to your guys's. Um, and the next one being continue to believe in yourself. So if you're not believing in yourself and you don't believe in the message you are putting out there, who is going to believe in you? That's something you always have to remember because it always starts and ends with you. So to us, no means not over. We actually redefine the word, <laughs> meaning not over. Because, you know, a lot of times the answer is no, but that doesn't mean that the opportunity is lost. You have to kind of work to find ways to create a new opportunity out of that, or also hold on to the fact that every no is one step closer to that final yes. And the last one, and the most important, is what sets you apart is actually your hidden strength. So, <laughs> go ahead. Um, what might have been perceived as a negative for us was actually a pillar of strength. And we were able to use our experiences of not fully fitting in as a catalyst to create delicate rain. And if we had, you know, remained in that negative Nancy mindset, we wouldn't have reached all the different goals that we'd set for ourselves and the ones that we're continuing to reach. And 
I know we would not be standing on this stage here talking to you guys about it. So looking back now, we realize that everything that made us feel like an outcast, everything that made us stand out, all our struggles and challenges that we dealt with were actually our hidden treasures. So we want to leave you guys with something to really think about. You're powerful. You know, all of you have something to offer, even if you haven't discovered it yet. And one thing to really remember is no one in the world is made up of the same molecules and atoms that you are, even if you are a triplet, quadruplet, whatever lit. You know, that's, um, that's where you have to start with. You have to embrace that, and that's your first component of uniqueness. And as Steve Jobs once said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that these dots are going to connect somehow in your future. They connected for us, and we hope they will connect for you guys as well. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Vivolution not only makes talks available on this podcast, but we also film talks at our events. Head over to Vivolution's YouTube channel to catch new talks we are releasing weekly from November's sold-out Vivolution Festival 2018. As always, thanks for listening to this episode of the Vivolution podcast. If you enjoyed this talk, please leave us a favourable review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next time, take care, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. <laughs>